get it done. You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. Team Hotline's open for you, 639-4900. want to thank Louise Baker for coming in yesterday and allowing a lucky listener to have tickets for the Tech-Virginia women's basketball game. Should be a fairly simple night for the Tech ladies. Text line 744-2990. Andy Bitter coming up in about half an hour. Zach Mackey will talk about the men's basketball team as they head out now on the road. See if he's uh, excited about the boat trip that's happening. Roth talked about that yesterday. <laughs> and then uh, Dwight Vick, can't wait to talk uh, to him about all this. And again, let me clarify something here. I'm in no way insinuating that anybody in any collective environment is doing anything wrong. Like, they're just surviving by the rules that are in place. In other words, Tech Triumph, we've had him on the show, what, two or three times, doing nothing wrong. Right? The hokey way, doing nothing wrong. Any school with any collective, high point, I just referenced them. They're not doing anything wrong. They're doing what they need to do. That's all. They are. That's the environment that's been put in place here. I'm just talking about the environment as a whole, and Jeff Hafley was talking about the environment as a whole. This isn't attacking collectives. That is in response to the new world of college sports. That's why Tech was able to retain its football roster. If not for the Triumph NIL, they would not have. They would not have kept Liz Kitley and Georgia Amor in the women's basketball program. They would not have gotten Hunter Couture to come back for another year. That was all because of the collective. And that's why they're there at these schools. None of the folks that are involved in that is doing anything wrong. I just wanted to clarify that. I'm not insinuating that at all. I'm just taking the comment that Jeff Halfley made and we're just centered on this comes down to a complete lack of structure, leadership, and responsibility by the folks of the NCAA. You know, and everybody wants to say, well, the NCAA makes up, is made up of all the schools. So when you're saying that about the NCAA, you're also criticizing your own school. Well, no, that's not how it works, right? We can all say that we're part of our 
democracy here in this country, but how many of us have a true voice, right? We can say that we vote in an election, but is that election going to be on the up and up? Does anybody really care about that single voter? Do you think that the, the folks who are actually trying to make decisions at the top level in the history of the NCAA are actually sitting there listening to what all 300 and however many members that make up the NCAA are saying? No. There's still one chairman. There's one person. Right now it's Charlie Baker. There's one committee of a certain amount of people that are making the big, harsh decisions. Yes, technically the NCAA is made up of all these schools. Our democracy in this country, as the forefathers drew up, is made up allegedly of everyone in this country, but that's not the truth. The will of the people isn't the concern. This is decisions that have been poorly made to protect selfish interests. It's amazing how easily you can align the NCAA with politics. And I'm talking all politics, which is why I hate them. Right? Because that's what the NCAA has done for decades. That's why they lose every lawsuit. They've done nothing but deceive and lie. And when finally it couldn't be ignored anymore, when the money amounts became larger and larger, and when journalists who used to be able to do their jobs or used to want to do their jobs and investigate things, regardless of their political gain, they would go out and tell you that, oh, my goodness, wait a minute, Peyton Manning, while at Tennessee, how many number 16 jerseys did he sell? Where's all that money going? And, and someone asked the question, why isn't Peyton Manning getting any money? Well, Ed O'Bannon asked that question, the former UCLA All-American, which is why the O'Bannon case was brought to court to begin with. And his was around the fact that he was playing a video game, and all of a sudden Ed O'Bannon shows up on the video game. And he's thinking, nobody asked me about that. How come I'm not seeing some kind of, he was a business you know, major, marketing major. How, how come I'm not seeing any of this? I, I need to ask somebody about this. He did. And it just kept growing and growing. And finally, that case revolutionized everything. And right now, it looks for the bad, but really, what it did was take the veil off the face of all the lies we've been given. Well, you know, uh, I know maybe you're uh, you're creating all these millions of dollars for us, but uh, hey, you're getting free books and tuition. <laughs> that should be plenty, right? Come on. Come on. Crazy. Crazy. Kirk Herbstreit, who I have very little respect for. I just got sent this. This is what he said. Because he's a, he's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite on every front. But this is what he said last night after Jeff Halfley left. So he and I can be on the same ground on this. Um, college football in this current state will be seeing more and more coaches heading to the NFL. I just said that, right? Without boundaries and regulation that makes sense, coaches that get real opportunities will go to the NFL and be gone. This trend will continue until there's a new governing body and it creates a CBA with a player's entity or union 
that would include issues like NIL transfer portal and eventually revenue sharing. The sport is spiraling out of control. As we all know, and many of these coaches are not sticking around and waiting. It's just a new reality for the sport, and it's not good. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me right now that Rick Watson and Kirk Herbstreet are on the same page? Huh. <laughs> now, Kirk Herbstreet's the guy who blatantly lied about ESPN's involvement in, well, the college playoff and then berated fans who sent him, you know, Twitter messages. Even he, even he, Mr. Corporate Boy, Mr. Shill, is coming out. I appreciate that text being or that uh, text message with that quote on there. Everything he said is correct because, well, it's basically everything I've been saying for a while. Yeah, no kidding, Kirk. Welcome to the party, Kirky. But again, to clarify, the collectives themselves are doing nothing wrong. And like I say, tech fan, I'm hearing from a lot of different fans, not really you, because you're enjoying it right now. Well, enjoy it this one year because it's not going to be like this every year. You kept all your players. You went out and got some more players. You might even add some more. Who knows? Triumph, folks. Hokey Way did a great job. Coach Pride did a great job. Right now, things seem cohesive. It's great. So you're not feeling the effects, and you could have a big 2024 because of it. But you know what it is? It's fool's gold. I've been using that phrase a lot lately. And, man, it's a good phrase. Radford University basketball, last night, just a really, really tough loss at home, their third home loss. And when the shots are falling at the end of shot clocks and they go in, everything seems to be fine when you have a, a lead that has been squandered and you're up by only two or three and then you hit a couple threes and you get it back up to nine or ten and all of a sudden, yeah, the threat has been absolved. We're good to go. Well, what happens when those shots don't fall? That's what happened last night to Charleston Southern or against Charleston Southern. Fool's goal. It's just fool's gold. And tech, look, enjoy it. It's going to come full circle. We're having a guy who we had on this program who I really enjoyed. It's been a couple years for Jeff Halfley being on here. And you're having a guy give up his head coaching career, a young man who I believe was just starting to get B.C., in a positive light. They went 7-6. and six, And by the way, they won the Fenway Bowl. So they got some momentum up there. They got some momentum. No question. I want to go and be a football coach again. Because all I do here is fundraise, deal with the NIL daily, have to recruit my own team hourly, and deal with transfers. 
That's not what I signed up for. And I don't know what he's going to make in Green Bay as a defensive coordinator. I don't. But this is horrible timing for BC, right? I mean, the college coaching hiring cycle is over. <laughs> it's over. Michigan got lucky because they had a coordinator in place who went 4-0 with the Jim Harbaugh suspension. So their promotion was easy and really kind of done out of necessity. He's going to go be the defensive coordinator for the Packers, for his good friend Matt LaFleur. I think he'll do a good job. I think he's a terrific football coach. I know Brent Pry is close with him and has is probably about as much respect for Jeff Halfley as any opposing coach in the ACC. I mean, he basically said that in his, uh, some of his pressers over the last couple of years. How long will Brent Pry deal with it? How long will he put up with what he's trying to build? He seems to be structured the right way, have the right mindset to deal with it. He knew what he was getting into because he got into it as a head coach when all this was starting to, to unleash. But it may not be for long. Right? And it's not as if Jeff Halfley had broken BC through the threshold to get him back to an ACC championship type of team like they were under Matt Ryan. He was just starting to turn the corner, some consistent progress. They had a really big year for them. Seven wins is very impressive. He was developing young players, even guys that he got out of the portal. But he can't deal with it anymore. What happened last night is the start of what's going to be an avalanche, just like uh, the Herb Street quote that I just read you. Mr. ESPN Shill recognizes it for what it is. And now we're going to see what happens over the next several months. It's going to be very interesting. And I mean on the bigger scale. NCAA won't be able to do anything. It doesn't matter what Charlie Baker says coming out of this. It doesn't matter what anybody representing the NCAA says. Just kind of let it go and, yeah, whatever. What you need to worry about now is what's going to happen if we start getting rumblings of government legislation, which I believe is what it's going to take. And I'm not a proponent of this because the government is just an absolute uh, – it's just in chaos, and we know we can't count on that. Right, But they're missing out on a lot of tax dollars. This is why they, are going, they will get involved. We don't know, they say, how much money is being earned. We don't know what's going on. It's cash, right? Most of it's just cash. There's no tracing to it, which is why they want to regulate the collectives, how much money you're bringing in. Government's going to want their cut is the bottom line. Just like the NCAA was able to have their cake and eat it too and always get their cut, which was all of it, before the student-athletes in the Ed O'Bannon case finally said enough's enough. David Teal, and like I said, you don't want to believe me. David Teal said it yesterday about as clearly as anyone can say it. It's, Rick, let's drop every, let's quit calling it NIL. Let's quit calling it whatever it is. This is pay for playtime. 
This is professionalism. Said it yesterday on the program. Right? NIL means now it's legal. And that's exactly what it is. And look, that's fine if that's what it is. But in its current state, if it's not reeled in soon, I think college football is going to be damaged beyond repair. And I'm singling college football out. It'll trickle down to basketball. But college football is where the most players are, you know. And the collectives, I think, have a difference, very sizable from the top to the bottom. He may not see it as dire, but we'll see. Interesting conversation nonetheless, and uh, then we'll bring it up with Dwight Vick. Zach Mackey in between Andy and uh, Dwight. We'll talk about uh, Tech's trip coming up with Zach on the men's basketball side of things. Hope everybody is uh, doing okay as we try to figure out exactly what in the world is going on in college sports. I think we kind of know. But it's not good in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's just not. Jeff Halfley leaves BC. They're scrambling. And uh, he'll be the first, I believe, of many coaches that we see, even if they don't necessarily have an NFL opportunity, might decide to do something else. <laughs> now, he had the fallback of going to be a coordinator, which is very true, in a league that he was a part of before he went to BC. So, Just saying. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. That's the best way to say it. It's just a complete and utter mess. It's it's chaos, and you can't even put the word controlled in front of it. It's not even controlled chaos. It's just chaos. And there's no way it's going. the system's going to uh, survive under its current construct because it has none. <laughs> it's Gotham City. And the thing about it, not only is there no one around to regulate it, I don't think there's anybody who's interested in taking on that responsibility, right? I don't see a lot of people who are speaking in outrage over this really wanting to take on the, the task of trying to be the person who can help correct it. I, there's nobody out there because there's never been anybody out there because it's all been about selfishness and greed. 
And that's from every level, not just the NCAA, but from the networks to the conferences, the commissioners, the presidents, the ADs, and now, well, the coaches, and now the, the players. It's simply pay for pay. Welcome. Andy Bitter joins us next here on a Thursday. University and current UNC Greensboro head basketball coach Mike Jones is uh, hearing this song as I play it. And he's he's grooving on his way into the office. Zach Mackey and uh, Dwight Vick coming up in our 8 o'clock power hour. Joining us now on the program, he's the senior staff writer, lead football beat writer. But although he was covering hoops the other night for Tech, his name is Andy Bitter. Andy, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, man. How was uh, how much fun did you have doing the uh, Duke uh, Tech game the other night? That was pretty cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's been uh, you know, I was going back trying to think of the last men's basketball game I covered here. It was the uh, the NIT game between Tech and Princeton. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I think that was like Buzz Williams' second year or something like that. So it, it's been a while. Uh, but, you know, Tech Sideline offers me the opportunity to go and, you know, write a column on this stuff and uh, might do that a little bit more here as uh, basketball season winds down. That's very cool, man. Well, I know you had a lot of fun. You did a great job with it, and that's great. Yeah, you talked about that before, how, yeah, football is my thing, but there's other opportunities out there. You'd like to check it out, and that's what you were doing. And you got to see a pretty good game and a pretty good Duke team, huh? Duke uh, showed up, to say the least, in Castle. Yeah, but, you know, Duke hasn't been like Duke. No. All season. And, uh, you know, I keep saying they lost to Georgia Tech. Well, UNC just lost to Georgia Tech, so maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't cite that as an example. But, you know, losing to Pitt at home, barely getting by Clemson at home, uh, just felt like they were, you know, vulnerable or a team for the taking. Like, they were the number seven team in the country. I felt like Tech had a chance to, to really, you know, bolster its resume with a win there. And, you know, Duke played well. They shot the ball well. They rebounded. Uh, excellent. Tech did not do a very good job on that front. And, uh, you know, the Hokies didn't shoot it well from outside. And, and just every time they tried to, to make a run at the Blue Devils, they held them off. And, uh, you know, I think Virginia Tech's going to be kicking itself about that game. I don't, I don't know if they, you know, like, oh, I should have won it or something like that. But that was an opportunity that they're not going to have many of the rest mm-hmm. of the season to make sort of a splash argument about why this team should be in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, those opportunities are shrinking, and uh, you know that was a golden one that they missed on Monday. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It really was. They needed that big time. Now they have to try to figure it out here in February and get some things back. Um, not much going on with the uh, football program, but we did get some uh, pretty cool news about a couple of uh, local recruits, huh? One on the offensive line and one at linebacker committing to Brent Pry. Yeah, uh Carter Stallard. I, I got to be careful not to call him Connor Stallion <laughs> when I'm uh, mentioning his name. It's just so programmed in my mind. Carter Stallard. I mean, he's a big guy Woo. from Christiansburg. Offensive line committed. 
Um, and he's 6'8", 320, I think it's what he's listed man, at right now. Oh, man, oh, man. Uh, and even if you're, even if it's a recruit who's exaggerated a little bit, it's like, oh, what is he, 6'7", 310? <laughs> like, right, that's right. A big, that's a big guy <laughs> either way. And, you know, you always talk about, ah, oh, you're looking for feet with linemen, and can they move, and, you know, what's their attitude? Sometimes you just need a big guy. And, that, yeah, you can't teach 6'8", 320. Uh, it's nice you've had some big guys that can move people around. Oh, he's bigger than everybody he plays against right now, so we'll see <laughs> once he gets against some competition, some bigger guys they're going against him. He's not going to face any, you know, six foot eight, three hundred twenty pound defensive lineman. But uh, you know, th- that's a good sized guy to bring into the program, and uh, you know, offensive line. You always got to have a bunch of those uh, on your team. So, and you know, just going down the road to Christiansburg, they haven't had a Christiansburg signee. Uh, since Brendan Motley. And you have to go back to 2012 wow. with that. That's, it's been a while for a guy that they uh, it's a pretty good program. It's just down the road here. Uh, then another uh, linebacker, uh, PWO, I think it's Jalen. Was it Jalen Allen? Yes. Is that his name? Yes, Jalen uh, Allen. Uh, you know, Salem, another good program locally. If you can get these guys with PWOs, I think he had uh, some scholarship offers from smaller schools uh, elsewhere. You know, that's a good way to bolster the roster. Yeah, and I I really like that, and I know a lot of the local people really get behind that. J.C. Price, I'm sure, big on that. He recruits here locally. He knows all about our high school programs, the years he spent at Radford. You know, so it's really cool. And who knows what kind of players these guys will develop into. I know that um, I hope they develop into really good players because you're right. I think the key is, Andy, you just pointed out, both of these programs are really well run and really strong, so these guys are going to have good structure from Christiansburg and Salem. Yeah, and, you know, you always want to have a good relationship with those coaches locally uh, so that when they do have, you know, scholarship guys or guys that are rated a little bit higher, that they'll consider the Hokies. And that hasn't always been the case. There's been, you know, guys from, you know, Bonitot and, uh, you know, other other places around Roanoke that have gone elsewhere and done pretty well. Uh, you know, you'd like to be first in line to those local guys. You want to have them – you know, play for the hometown team if you can, uh, if they're really good. So, you know, I think it's smart to consider, you know, continue to go after these local guys. If they're not quite scholarship level, you know, the PWO route uh, is pretty enticing for guys that like to stay local and, you know, let their family come and watch them play. Andy Bitter joins us on the program, the lead football beat writer, the senior staff writer over at uh, Tech Sideline. And I saw that you uh, gave your best shot at the uh, – was it the Tech Offensive Depth? Uh, what was your take just going through that and looking at some of the names and realizing some of the quality of players that are there coming back for 2024? Yeah, my take was that it, I didn't have to do too much thinking for most of it because almost everybody's back. You know, it's not yeah, like, that's true. oh, who's going to step Who's gonna step up if you one of these receivers? Like, well, all the receivers are back, and both the running backs, <laughs> the quarterback's back. I mean – uh, you know, they haven't had that in a long time. As I mentioned in the article, they haven't had a quarterback start 10 games in back-to-back seasons since Logan Thomas That's crazy. in 2012 and 2013. You know, I'm, I'm mentioning some very uh, dated quarterbacks in this uh, <laughs> segment today. Uh, it's been a while at that position. And, you know, knock on wood with Drones' health. Uh, you know, that that's a chance this year to have a guy come back and develop in the system and produce for more than one year that they just didn't have. Uh, for a long time, uh, certainly under Fuente, where it was just a carousel year after year. And I think that was one of the big problems with that regime is they never had that consistency at that position. So, 
Uh, you know, you look up up and down the offensive side of the ball, and you know, I think you're going to see the same with defense here uh, when I get to that. Save for a couple positions, uh, there's a lot of guys back and a lot of continuity from a team that you know finished last year on a high note. No question about it, and that's why one of the many reasons everybody's so excited because of those players that were retained and. Yeah, it is kind of cool to be able to sit down and think, well, I may have to figure out what kind of battles take place. And then you go, well, there's not really a whole lot, not a lot of transition across that starting 11. Yeah, the starting group was, I think, pretty easy. Yeah, offensive line, I think there's some questions. Uh, you know, how does Montavious Cunningham fit in? Is he a guard or a tackle? I would tend to think guard. Uh, then, you know, which guard spot does he, you know, compete for most? Last year they had sort of a rotation between Braylon Moore and Brody Meadows at left guard. Bob Schick held down the right guard spot, but I don't think any of those were necessarily uh, you know, positions that were carried over this following season. I think those were out for grabs, certainly. And then you know, you have some younger guys in the second group, and you know, Lace Ganim and Johnny Garrett. How do they figure into the whole thing? Who's the backup center? Uh, you know, I don't even know who else is snapping, honestly. You know, before it was Jack Hollyfield and Johnny Dixon, and both of those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. So, going to be a walk-on uh, that has done some of that in the past. I'm not sure. I, I would imagine that they would try to figure out somebody is more of a long-term uh, solution there, especially since Cade Moore is coming up on his senior season. Well, and staff's got to feel good, but, you know, the depth always has to be worked on, doesn't it? It never ends. You're always trying to create more quality depth because that's one of the biggest things Brent Pry walked into was a program that had, well, none. Not only no, not really a lot of good starters, but not no depth in behind that. Yeah, I think that's the nice thing about this team. I, mean, I look at that receiver room, and I go, how is Chantel Mines going to keep all those guys happy? I mean, that's a that's a position where, you know, those players – want the ball in their hands. And, uh, you know, it's not even a fact of trying to get the ball to them. It's trying to get them in the lineup and get them reps because there's just so many of them. Now, Stephen Gosnell's, uh, you know, hurt right now, so it's not going to be an issue in the spring. But, you know, with the top four guys all coming back who are veterans, and then you have younger guys like Aiden Green and Chance Fitzgerald and Takai Heath, pushing other young guys like Tucker Holloway and Xavier Bradshaw, and then even younger guys and Keelan Adams and Chance Wiggins coming up the ranks. I mean, that's just a full room. Uh, So it'll be interesting uh, to see how Fontel Mines keeps everybody happy there. And You know, there's always the looming threat of the transfer portal if somebody feels like uh, they're not getting enough snaps or the, the road to playing time is too tough. I mean, that's always there. So, uh, that, that's going to be a position I'm going to be. It's going to be really interesting to watch this spring. He is Andy Bitter joining us on the program, the senior staff writer over at Tech Sideline. Well, I want to get into uh, the Jeff Halfley situation. I think this is the beginning of uh, what we're going to see is more of a trend coming up. It's horrible for college football. Uh, I loved your response. Why would you leave all that clam chowder? But uh, on a serious note, man, this is a guy who's building a program. They seem to have turned a little bit of a corner, seven wins this year. They win a ball, and he's had enough. Now, granted, he had an NFL job to fall back on. That's where he was before. But just your take on watching Jeff Halfley. We're not talking about some older curmudgeon coach who's saying, yeah, you know what, I don't want to do it this way. This is a guy who is younger and, and a really well-respected coach who's walking away from college football. It's, it's an interesting move, and it's going to prompt a ton of think pieces about the college game and, and what it should be. 
I, I guess my question with Halfley is, what did he think he was signing up for to be a head coach? Like, you haven't been just like the ball coach since how long? It's been like, you know, that that is a CEO position. That is a job where you do a lot of handshaking, a lot of fundraising, a lot of speaking at events. Uh, and, yeah, it's been recruiting for a while. It's been that way for a long time. So I, I don't quite know. Uh, you know, you know, people are going to say, "Oh, this is the death of the college game." These coaches are leaving. I, I feel like you look at Halfley's history. Uh, you know, he's a position coach for like four different NFL teams before he went to Ohio State to become a coordinator. I feel like you know that was his destiny. Eventually, is that he wanted to get back to the NFL. So, uh, you know, a college coach like this coming out and, and being like, "Oh my gosh, the schedule we're overworked." It's like, well, that's why they pay you three million dollars a year. That's why they pay. You know, and that's on the low end for an ACC coach. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I feel like yes, there there are some changes they need to make so these college coaches don't get burnt out. But uh, I don't think the grass is always necessarily greener in the NFL. For one thing, it's a lot shorter leash in the NFL. They don't put up a lot of this you know garbage in the NFL. It, they're not going to put up with a, a six and six showing every year like like you know Halfley would have at BC. Just barely creeping over the, the line to get to a bowl game, uh, but you know there's a lot of college coaches who do love the recruiting aspect of it and do love the the you know the things you have to do as a college head head coach and the you know rewards that come with that. I mean, you're basically treated like a, a god in some of these cities where in you know, these small towns where you're you're larger than life and. Um, you know, get to go out flying private planes, recruiting all the time. A lot of guys enjoy that lifestyle. So, uh, yeah, I, I think part of it is, you know, the college game has kind of gotten uh, you know, out of whack in terms of, you know, life, work, balance for some of these coaches. But at the same time, I don't know if Halfway is the, the guy you look at and you go, uh, he's the, the canary in the coal mine of this whole thing and how it's gotten too out of order. I think it's an example of what it's gone. It's no longer just recruiting. It's about retaining your own roster. It's probably an admission, too, don't you think, from him saying that here at BC we can't compete with the current environment. He didn't want to come out and say that. Maybe that had a little bit to do with it. I mean, Tech right now has shown they can compete, so you don't hear a lot of complaints out of Blacksburg. I think 2024's roster retention is an anomaly for Tech. I don't think it's going to be something year in and year out they can enjoy, but – I don't know. We'll see. I think the fact that it's a younger coach, is it makes it more substantial for me, regardless of the ins and outs and what he might be dealing with. It just seems like this is a little different than somebody who doesn't want to try it the new way. Yeah, it's not some uh, – it's not Nick Saban sort of saying that, you know, right, right. I don't want to deal with this stuff. But Roy Williams was like that in basketball, I think. Um, and I'd agree that the – the idea that these guys just have unlimited transfers and you have to re-recruit your roster all the time, I, I think that is an imbalance in the, the power shift that swung too far in the other direction all of a sudden. It used to be that you just you nobody could leave this roster unless the coach says so. It's mm-hmm. like, well, that was too restrictive. And now anybody can leave any time they want right. to go to any school is a little bit too much freedom of movement. But, you know, this is on the NCAA. No doubt. We're not admitting that they're a business and just operate like it and have collective bargaining. And you know, you want some control over these guys? Okay, give up some of the money and you know, collectively bargain this whole thing. Sign them to contracts that they then can't get out of. 
you know, that is the sort of original sin of this whole thing, that's not allowing that, you know, college football to get to a spot that, you know, is a workable model for everybody in this whole thing. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I just don't like them one side complaining about, you know, oh, my gosh, they've lost all the power when they've never given up anything over all this time. When is your uh, defensive depth arc coming out? Is that pretty soon? Looking at that, the start? Uh, yeah, I'll be writing that today. Sweet. So, Sweet. Uh, look, look for that soon. Any more hoops games on your agenda here coming up? That's pretty cool having you out there at basketball. Yeah, you know, UVA's got a big Monday game at home. Uh, I don't think next week. I think the week after that. Uh, so I'll be covering that one. Uh, I think that's what it is. Sometime coming up here in February. Uh, you know, women's hoops has some important games coming up too. Unfortunately, I think most of their ranked games are on the road, so I, I would imagine I'd be going to that. But uh, you know, as men's hoops intensifies here and tournaments come, you know, I might be filling in for David in, in some uh, occasions. So uh, see me at a courtside near you sometime <laughs> soon. I'd say. Very cool. Very cool. All right, man. Well, listen, great stuff as always. Look forward to your uh, defensive uh, depth chart piece. And uh, take care, man. We'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. There you go. That's uh, Andy Bitter joining us. Great takes as always from uh, AB. Again, you can catch him at Tech Sideline as the senior staff writer. And uh, as I've been saying all morning, yeah, this is on the NCAA. This whole thing is on the NCAA. And it's not just simply about recruiting anymore. This isn't about going out and trying to lure a, a recruiting class of 20 or 25 kids to commit. This is about everything that's involved in that now. And I do believe that BC probably, since college athletics in that area isn't that massively huge in terms of importance, that probably their collective, you can't even begin to even place it beside a place like Tech where football is so important, right? We'll wrap up hour two after this. Jibby, jibby. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Andy Bitter for joining us, the 8 o'clock power hour. Zach Mackey's going to join us, the voice of Virginia Tech basketball. Tech will be uh, in action headed to Coral Gables. Talk to him about the uh, the boat uh, ride coming up. You know, Roth was talking about that yesterday. Trying to get him out there on a boat. Mike Burnham referenced it as well. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Gee, I wonder if there's going to be any um, adult beverages consumed on that boat. I might be going out on a limb. And then after that, Dwight Vick, and we'll get into his take on the uh, Jeff Halfley situation in college athletics. By the way, it's a nooner for Tech coming up on uh, Saturday. Yeah, that's a nooner. All right. You know what? I also believe that might be a knockout game. 
Like the loser of Tech Miami, probably, unless they make a big run in the tournament, going to be completely, and I mean completely, out of the NCAA tournament consideration. Zach joins us next to lead off the Power Hour. Come on back with us.